The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Jan Krauss-Green, who has just published her first book, I Call Myself Earth Girl. Welcome to the show, Jan. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And uh, writing your first book and publishing and going out there into the world is a huge step for people in their lives, I know. What's the experience been like for you? Well, you know, it's been a very interesting experience, and the whole writing process was, I would say, exhilarating. That part came fairly easily. The promotion part has been more daunting, I think. It's something that I'm not naturally... Um, equipped for. <laughs> the writing was, was so it just opened up all kinds of avenues for me of things I didn't even know that I was thinking and feeling. So wonderful. And the uh, the actual topic of the book is in itself interesting and you've chosen to do it in a very interesting way. And we don't want to give the whole book away, but I do want you to just give our listeners a little bit of an overview of what the story is about. Um, but because it's so unusual in terms of the way you've written it, how how did the actual story come to you? How did it unfold? Well, it came to me really in two different parts separated by a couple of years. The part that continues throughout the book as, as sort of the dreams that the main character, Gloria, is having, the part that's narrated by the character called Earth Girl, came to me... Uh, Really, I sat down one day. I've, I've always enjoyed writing, and I've had a newspaper column and done various types of writing, but never fiction. And I sat down one day, and I thought, oh, you know, I just want to try writing fiction. And this sentence, I call myself Earth Girl because I chose to live on Earth, even though my celestial life was one of peace and beauty, just came to me. And I started writing, and it was as if as if Earth Girl really was a person talking to me, because I didn't stop. It just kept coming. But it was getting grimmer and grimmer. Her life was very difficult, and she was clearly caught up in the middle of a war at some place in some time that I didn't know what it was, where it was, or when it was. And I've always been a pacifist. So it seemed to me that, well, this what this is is telling me 
how bad not just war is in general, but for an individual young girl going through it, and that that could be something that could be applied to, to anyone living through war. But I, I didn't know what I was going to do with it, and I put it away for a couple of years. And then the other character, Gloria Geist, Geist is actually my maiden name, and it's interesting because the name is, means spirit in German. And I always really loved having that name, but I think only now am, am I realizing that maybe I have a strong attachment to spirit, and <laughs> that, that's a much more recent realization for me, uh, primarily, I think, because of writing the book. Um, but Gloria is a contemporary woman who has a grown daughter who her daughter is pregnant, and they're all excited about that. But Gloria keeps having these dreams about Earth Girl, and it's the same dream over and over again, and it's a pretty terrible dream. And at the end of the dream, Earth Girl always finds out that she's pregnant. And Gloria, who thought that she was in menopause, wakes up from these dreams feeling that she might be pregnant, and she gives herself a pregnancy test, and she is indeed pregnant, and she knows her husband has been out of town, and for very he's been away on business, and she's had back problems and poison ivy, and she knows they haven't had sex in at least six months, and she's only three months pregnant. So now she is wondering, is this Earth Girl's baby, or am I Earth Girl, or am I just crazy? What is happening? <laughs> and that sets off the rest of the story. So that piece, did that did that also just flow to you and come to you, or, or was that something that you built in yourself? Well, I had thought of Gloria, sort of. Um, previously, I had thought about this character who woke up and had some kind of a realization, but I, I didn't really know what the realization was going to be. But there was always this character in my mind of a woman who wakes up and just all of a sudden realizes something that changes her life. Uh, the circumstances just sort of came. My writing um, has always, I'm not an outliner. I'm not a person who knows what I'm going to say. And even when I had my newspaper column, I kind of didn't know what I was going to say, but it always came together for me. So in the book, um, obviously, some of the information is uh, quite graphic around the war stories and, and the rape and the the feeling of being totally trapped, um, mm -hmm. and that and that came to you through the writing uh, from the dream aspect of uh, of Earth Girl. So, so how did you, uh, being a pacifist, how did you feel about about writing in that way? Well, it, it was I sort of was like I can't believe I'm writing this. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It, was, it was surprising to me, and yet as a pacifist, I've never been someone who has looked at the world as. There, there's nothing difficult or evil or violent in the world. I've, I've been a person who's really aware of all that and wished and prayed that it wasn't there. My friends, my husband was the first person to read it, the Earth Girl Dreams, and he was like, where did this come from? He just he was very startled by it. And my closest friends were very startled by it because it seemed so out of character for me. And there's a really, I, I, I understand, I think, because I, I know from my own experience, there's a really, really important message in your book about connection between the celestial realms 
and our physical realm here on earth. And I know, sadly, from the experiences that I've had in helping people in these circumstances, that rape is one of the ways in which women in particular get disconnected from source because it, it creates a fragmentation within their being. And so they are by that very action disconnected with fear and, and the, 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 the terrible experience that they don't just really don't want to remember. And so the way that our body deals with that, our mind deals with that is to separate us from that experience, which also separates us from source. So in your book, where you're really wanting to encourage people to really consider that connection to source, I, I personally think that's why it's a really impo important part of the book. Well, I, you know, I think so, too. I, I probably wouldn't even have been able to express it the way you just did, but I, I felt that I think part of what really was operating in, in my subconscious and to a certain extent my conscious when I was writing this was I knew about what had happened in Darfur and how those women could not leave their homes to go find water or to go to the market and get food without the threat of being raped every single day. And that was something that has been, you know, profoundly painful to even think about and, and wishing those women didn't have to go through that. So I think that even though when I was writing Earth Girl, I didn't know what she was going to be saying, I, I think some of it came from understanding how really horrible that must be for a whole community. What does it do to a community of people to have every woman living in that fear? And then there's this really interesting uh, switch in the book where we're being led to believe that potentially this all took place uh, in the time of the Civil War, but actually uh, Earth Girl has come back from the future to, to really, it's a prophetic warning about a potential future that we might create. Right, and that that was that was intended. That was something that um, I I actually did think that part out and know that I wanted her to be from the future. When I dis when I realized how I could put together Earth Girl and Gloria, I knew I wanted Earth Girl to come from the future. That I wanted what everybody was thinking was a difficult time in the past to actually be what we might be creating for the future if we don't connect with Source and connect with each other in a very different way than, than we do. Paddy Cota Robles, who's been on this show previously, has a, a, a great line, which is, uh, a fulfilled prophecy is a failed prophecy. Because the whole point of prophecy is to make sure it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. Interesting that you would bring her up, too. I, I receive her emails. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was recently down at a congress in uh, in Tucson, so she's in my mind at the moment. Um, I think that for me, trying, you know, what I didn't realize I was going, I knew I was going to be writing about war. I didn't know I was going to be writing about the environment so much. And yet, as I wrote, it became clear to me that the environment and social justice around the environment and environmental stewardship is, for me, a big piece of spirituality, taking care of the earth that we've been given. But, you know, I, I don't think I knew that until I wrote the book. 
And from what we've we've discussed uh, off, off air between us, it, it, clearly you were going through your own sort of transformational process as a result of writing the book as you were going. Absolutely. There are a lot of things in there, especially the voice of the, the spirit that is Earth Girl but is more than Earth Girl. That voice... Um, I had no idea I was going to be writing that, and yet as I wrote it, it was truly transforming me and has transformed my sense of being in the world and being in the universe. So it's been a really surprising and interesting experience for me. What seems like maybe I wrote as a message for other people, and I did, also has been a, a message for me that I'm not sure where it came from. And that message which you you write about in the book, again from what we've we've said off the air, is actually that that the message itself um, developed as you were writing the book. That what the actual message was, you didn't know at the beginning, but it emerged as you were writing the book. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. It was the the process of writing the book was a very um, it was a discovery for me. I'd, People say, well, Zhao, how did you figure out that plot? And it's so complicated. And I didn't figure it out. I had some basic ideas. I knew Earth Girl was going to be from the future. So much that happens, I, it just came. And so I have to feel that it was, you know, when the word inspire is, is like being in spirit, I feel that I had um, connected with in a way that I hadn't before, and, and it was telling the story, and I was just kind of being a craftsperson for it. Which is, uh, I think, exactly the way we're supposed to be going in the world today. So we'll continue with this great discussion with Jan after the break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you discovered your true self yet? When we clearly understand how we create our reality, we can develop empathy and love for our humanity and that of others. Listen to Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. Your host, Dr. Joe Mancini, has spent years helping individuals get unstuck and find direction in their lives. Find out more by tuning into our expert guests and participants on Explorations in Consciousness, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness.
You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, where you'll see all of my uh, past newsletters and all of the radio shows are listed there by uh, alphabetical order and chronological order with little descriptions of each of the shows, over 200 of them now. And www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, which is the journey that we are on and our Ambassadors of Light program. I have with me today Jan Krause Evan uh, Green, sorry, <laughs> Jan Krause Green, who is uh, talking today about her book. I call myself Earth Girl, and I, interesting enough, Jan, yesterday we work um, in Victoria with the Landscape Zodiac, and yesterday was our Virgo workshop, which of course Virgo is the Earth Girl, and so we spent the day very strongly connected with Mother Earth out on a beautiful sunny day in our landscape uh, along a, a beautiful waterway and, and climbing a, a beautiful uh, knoll hill and, and being really fully connected to the earth and to spirit, which is what we spend our days doing, which is, which is just wonderful. So in terms of, of uh, Earth Girl coming back from the future, you also bring into the, the – weave into the story uh, hints of reincarnation and the – who 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 are the people in our lives and where have we been together in the past? Just talk a bit about that or in the future even. Well, again, um, I, I felt as I was writing that there was a strong connection between Gloria and Earth Girl that must have occurred in a, another lifetime to, to make it so strong in this lifetime, even though Gloria in the beginning was trying to completely sever herself from it. And then with Gloria's daughter, Ella, that she just seemed to know things that she probably still had the awareness of or the ability to, to touch into from a past lifetime or a future lifetime in this case. So the difference in my concept of reincarnation is that maybe your reincarnation is not, you're not being reincarnated from the past, but maybe from the future. I, I see, this is hard to explain, but I see that time is, is all connected in a way. We, we live in an illusion of chronological time, and we think there's a definite past and a definite future, and we're right now in the present. But I feel like it's all happening more in a circular way or, or a, on different planes at the same time. And that idea came to me when I was... Very, well, it didn't come to me. It was given to me when I was very young. I went to Catholic school, and one of the nuns said that we should pray for Christ so that he didn't suffer so much on the cross. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. That was a long time ago. How could praying now have anything to do with that? And she said that God didn't live in time, that for God there was no time. So for Christ there was no time, and we could pray now to ease something that happened in the past. And I didn't understand it, but it always stuck with me. And I think that idea had a lot to do with my thinking that um, you could, someone who existed in the future could come back into the present as a, as a 
a reincarnation. Absolutely. Does that make any sense? <laughs> it makes total sense to me. <laughs> and, and Ella, the little girl, has some special qualities, uh, which, again, some people would see as an illness or a disease, but she had these beautiful eyes of golden light. Just, just uh, explain that to our listeners a little bit. Um, that was something that just came to me. I didn't think about it. It's just when she was born, that was what she was, that was how I saw her. And I did, in the Earth Girl's dream, she had talked about a, a girl with golden eyes that she had seen. So that image w- was in my mind. I didn't know when I began writing that, um, Ella was going to be able to see with or without her eyes open and that she actually had vision beyond what we have with our eyes. That sort of developed as the story went on. But a couple of people have said that Ella sort of symbolizes to them the evolution of the new consciousness, like the way humans are evolving to be more conscious of our connection to source and our connection with spirit, and that Ella's sort of a physical representation of that and that her eyes are a metaphor for for the vision that we could have. And I didn't think of that when I wrote it, so I was pretty, I thought that was interesting when people saw that in it. You can see I was pretty naive. I was... But you know what, Jan? It's great that you were because much of what you've written has has reasoning behind it, but you didn't you didn't know at the time what it was. Right. That's for true. Ex- for example, in the book, you 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 uh, indicate that this little girl, uh, that Gloria is not her mummy, or that she has another mummy. Right. Uh, um, because she remembers her other mum mummy from her future life in 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 spirit or in connection with that mother, whether she did or didn't live. That was her understanding of it. Right, uh, and I know children who've said that to their parents that, that you're not my parents, you're not my my you're not my mummy because they remember uh, their connection to another lifetime in another time period in the future in the past whenever it was more more clearly than they do this life necessarily. That must uh, be sort of a difficult thing for their parents and them to work through, I would think. Well, it's interesting. Again, in the in your book, you you have these two sides of this this story. You have the dream side, where you have all this incredibly wonderful uh, metaphysical uh, stuff going on, which is for most people unbelievable. And then on the other hand, you've got this relatively normal family who try and explain away all the weirdness mm-hmm. in a very practical, down to earth sense, which is what most people also do to actually discount this this reality, which is just different to the reality we know. And so you've got this this dance going on constantly, and I think that's what happens in those families. So some of some of the parents think it's absolutely fantastic that their their children would say that because it it, it demonstrates clearly that they've had some other experience which is unexplainable, whereas others become terrified by that experience and so it so much depends on where we are on our journey in our in our own awakening yeah I, I think that's really true and I think for my two characters Gloria and Jared her husband I mean Jared spends the whole book just being sort of baffled by everything that's going on and wanting to make it as what he considers normal as he can no matter what happens he keeps trying to draw back to you know, this is the here and now, and this is the way things are, and the rest of this is, uh, he doesn't necessarily call it nonsense all the time, but he feels that it's something that Gloria has to believe because of the fact 
that something bad happened to her. He's decided that she was probably raped herself. Yeah, so he has to find some some practical, pragmatic way to explain all of this uh, this unusual stuff. Right, and finds himself wondering now and then he has a little glimmer of if this stuff is all real, how in the world did I become connected to Gloria and to my daughter because I feel so far from from this. And a lot exactly. of uh, what happens in the sequel is going to be about Jared. Oh, there's a sequel to come. Yes, there is. Can you give us a quick uh, quick insight into that? Um, well, it'll be very quick because I haven't started writing it yet. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, Jared is going to be an important character in it. And uh, the man at the very beginning of the book, the homeless man that Gloria confides in. Yes. Also has a role in it. So it'll be interesting. Now, he's an interesting character, and in, in the this book, uh, I'll call myself Earth Girl, he has a line, which I was going to ask you about, actually, which is, uh, when I look through a window, I always see things no one else can see. Where did that come from? That actually, that came from, I don't know, you probably have never been to Newport, Rhode Island. No, I haven't. In Newport, there's a park, and in the park, there's a structure that no one knows the history of. It's a very old stone structure that has windows in it, and the windows sort of line up with each other in certain ways when the sun is shining. And there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people have different theories about when it was built, and you can Google it and find different theories about it. But when I saw that, because I wrote the book while I was in Newport, and I just thought, that's such an interesting place. There must be something special, some special energy there. So then when I needed someone for Gloria to talk to, I thought, well, okay, I I can bring that in, and I know I'm going to use it. There's also a tree near the library there, the Athenaeum that I had talked about, that the branches all come together in a way that they make, you know, it's a full tree, and then there's one part of the tree that has a circle in it, there's no leaves and there's no branches, and it's a small circle but very clear. And I have um, Melanie used to like to put her hand through that circle. And I don't know if you remember, but Gloria dreams about that. So that's going to come in the sequel also. So that structure you're talking about is called the Newport Tower, correct? You know, I think it is, yes. And that, and, it, and it's one in of the... Truro, Truro Park. Right, and one of the beliefs is that that was a Knights Templar tower i've I've read all about that so i know a little bit about that yeah wow interesting and you chose a homeless man to be the person that has that uh, experience why why did you choose a homeless man i guess because i have great um i i feel such compassion for homeless people and i feel like in so many ways they're looked down upon and disregarded and whether they're homeless because they lost a job or because of mental illness or whatever their reason is for being homeless, there's such a, um, a an alienated part of society, and not not through an alienation I think that they have caused, but other people are just so uncomfortable around them or wish they weren't there. I mean, cities even make ordinances to get rid of homeless people instead of giving them homes or finding a way to do something. 
And some of those people who are homeless actually have this gift. They have this awareness beyond the norm, and that's why they just can't uh, tolerate the way society operates because they right. can see, and, and see through it all. And people look at them and consider them mentally ill. Yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, we're coming up to our second break. Jan, we'll take that now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Explore subconscious programs, belief systems, and past life memories that may be sabotaging your life. Join host Dorian Light on her show, All About You, as she helps you to shift change and heal your life. Each week, Dorian does a light session using psychic energetics and the language of light to energetically shift and clear negative patterns you have stored regarding that week's topics. Step into the realm of infinite possibilities for your life. All About You airs live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be visionary. Be extraordinary. Be the change. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. just want to take this opportunity to thank my sponsors for this series of shows. Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada. And the wonderful people including Joel and Matt, production engineers, and Brandy, my producer at Voice America for providing the opportunity for us to enjoy these shows with uh, wonderful guests who are all awakening on their own spiritual journey. And I'm getting the sense for you, Jan, that as you, as you were writing this book, your own spiritual journey was beginning to unfold more and more. Absolutely. Not only as I was writing it, but since I have written it, one of the things that has been really interesting to me is how many connections really have been made for me. I would say, because of the book, with people who are on a spiritual journey and who uh, many who are probably understand it or further into it than I am. But it's just been amazing to me the, the connections that I've made or have 
been made ever since the book came out. So, you know, the fact that I found the particular publisher that I found that has a real affinity for writing books that have a spiritual or supernatural element, and then the people that I've been interviewed by, and then people who have contacted me who have read the book and then emailed me and contacted me. So it's been... I just feel like things are unfolding for me in a very different way, very beautiful way. So can you give us a, um, some more specifics around that? Because, uh, again, I'm feeling very strongly that this was you've created a sort of vortex uh, through the book and, and its creation, and now it's out in the public eye. And so, obviously, after you finish the book, lots of stuff happens to you personally as a result of actually having the courage to do this. So can you be a bit more specific about spiritually how things have shifted for you? Well, I feel one one way that I can explain it is, you know, I've always believed that people are connected to each other and that we really, that it, that the ultimate, I guess, that the real revolution in the world will be when love is the most powerful thing. I've believed that for years, but what I'm feeling now is a really profound connection, not just to humanity as we see it on earth, but to the life that is beyond us, to the spirit, to the source, and also to the earth. Now, I've been sort of an environmentalist for years, but now I feel, this sounds maybe funny to some people, but I love the earth. I mean, I feel real deep love for the earth and a desire protect it and I feel like that's for me a big part of my spirituality and that somehow that love for the earth also connects me to source and to spirit and I had mentioned to you before that um, I decided to have an angel card reading which is something I never would have done before and in it I was told that I need to connect with my guardian angel who's there waiting for me and so that making that connection and trying to prove to myself that it's real has been pretty profound. Tell, tell that story. It's a great little story. I love it. Just your little, your little test for the guardian angel. So um, in this reading, you know, you pick cards, you don't know what they are and they go in an order. And the um, person who did the reading told me, you know, this one is going to be about the past and this one's about this. And this one here is about, um, something that's waiting for you to help you that you have have not accessed. And so when she turned it over, the card said guardian angel. And she said to me, you know, we all have guardian angels. And I, you know, have that feeling from when I was a little girl in Catholic school and we were always told we had guardian angels. And when we got into high school, you were supposed to leave room for your guardian angel between you and your partner when you were dancing. So I had this whole kind of Catholic school feeling of guardian angel. But I used to also always say a prayer to my guardian angel every day when I was young. And, you know, she said, we really do have guardian angels, and you need to ask yours to to help you. And I guess the expression on my face was a little skeptical, and she said, you should ask for a sign, and then you'll you'll know. So I thought for a couple of days about whether I wanted the sign to be, and I finally, while sitting in the parking lot of the grocery store, decided that I wanted the sign to be based on the letters of certain things we had spoken about. So the two letters that came 
up a couple of times and things we were talking about were the letter B and the letter M. So I thought, well, okay, I want to see a sign with the letter B and M, but if I just look for one B and one M, that's too easy. So I want to see two, two B and M together twice in a short period of time. So I was very specific about what I needed for my sign. And um, I left the the grocery store and was driving home. And when I got close to my home, I saw a car pulling out of a driveway and the first two letters on the license plate were B and M. So I thought, well, okay, there's one. But that seemed a little easy to me. It was a license plate. And then as I was getting out of the car and getting ready to take my groceries out, my phone rang and what comes up on my caller ID is Beverly McCloskey, and again, B and M, and this is someone I hadn't heard from in quite some time. So I thought, all right, <laughs> that is the sign, you know. <laughs> I can't deny it, can you? Yeah. <laughs> so in the book, and we'll come back to that loving vibration that you mentioned shortly, but in the book you, you used an expression, uh, why do humans embrace or, or humans embrace pain and sorrow much more fully than joy. And, and so my question is, why do humans do that? Why do we embrace pain and sorrow more than we do joy? Well, I think when I try to rationalize it, it's because we've lost our connection spirit. We've lost our connection to source. And so what we see and what we focus on is the struggles in life because, you know, life can be hard. Life can be painful. Lots of things happen to people. And what we miss is the bigger picture, and that's the picture that contains all the joy. And you used an expression in the book, a play on words, which was uh, wholly unknowable. Just explain what you meant by that. It's a lovely expression. Well, as I've been, this was something I actually had thought about way before the book. I thought, I've been trying to figure out religion, because in a lot of ways I feel like religion is very divisive, religion as opposed to spirituality. And so I was thinking that what religions are trying to do is to uh, categorize and define something that is wholly, completely unknowable, because it's so vast, it's so infinite, and that that's part of the problem with religion. But the reason people want that to happen is because we have that yearning to, to connect with and understand that wholly unknowable um, source. And then I thought, well, it's also H-O-L-Y, that, that not knowing the thing that makes it so, um, so hard to really comprehend is what makes it so sacred. And that, that's what religion if I had a religion, that's what my religion would be about. It would be trying to connect with both the holy completely and the holy, sacred, unknowable. And one of the challenges with that is that the holy, uh, in, it, in terms of the way it shows up in our lives, as you've just described, is subtle. It's not uh, staring us in the face as all the tr struggles and trials and tribulations are. Right. So to connect to the holy, you have to actually tune in and be aware and pay attention. Right, and that, that's something that has definitely shifted for me. I'm paying a lot more attention than I was before. And also, um, I just find uh, I have a piece 
with things that I did not have before. I've always been the type of person, well, I'm still this type of person, but I'm more more peaceful than I was, that when I see what's wrong in the world, you know, I really want to work to change it, and I I feel a responsibility towards trying to make, you know, like being part of the solution instead of being part of the problem. And in my own life, when things, like when my father had Alzheimer's, it just caused me such deep pain because I got caught up in the here and now of the Alzheimer's instead of what was waiting for him beyond. And so I think I can, I have more balance now in those sort of things. Yeah, and when you were faced with uh, these challenges within the family, which which is happening throughout your book in terms of the, the, the unbelievable things happening and the way in which the normal, regular characters respond to those mm-hmm. situations, and you included Alzheimer's actually in the book as one of the, one right. of the issues, and, and these are incredibly huge challenges for us in our day-to-day lives, aren't they? They are, and you know, I've gone through a divorce and the experience of raising five sons as a single parent. But wow. for me, that that was nowhere near as painful as going through my father's Alzheimer's. I, I, that was because I felt like he was losing himself, like he didn't even know who he was. And so that was very, very painful for me. And again, one of the realizations there is that in those circumstances, he's actually spending more time in these other realms than in this realm. And so... Uh, he's already on his way. He's already uh, leaving this world and joining the next. And so he's actually probably very happy inside. It doesn't look that way to us because of the expectations we have for people in this life. Right. My mother my mother went through that as well. And in the last few uh, days of her life, well, last, last few weeks, actually, she wasn't sure which world she was in. She was seeing people who were no longer alive just as clearly as she was seeing people who were. So she, when she was talking to my sister, uh, about that, um, she was very confused as to who was who and who was alive and who was dead. So she was already in that world as much as she was in this one. Right. And my mother, which, is actually, which is actually very comforting. My mother, who's 98, is sort of going, beginning to go through that now. But with my father, it was different in that he lost the ability to talk at all. He didn't recognize his own face in a mirror. He was frightened. And um, eventually he he lost the ability to even figure out how to swallow. So it was, it was just a really very painful and long process to, yeah, to watch. Yeah, no, it's, it is tough for sure, yeah. Yeah. We're coming up to our final break, so we'll take that now. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. 
Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Many of us don't understand love. Why are relationships so difficult? What makes people fall in love? How can we make love last? Tune into The Truth About Love with host Shelley Bullard. We'll talk about what works in relationships and what doesn't. Shelley believes that our most profound growth comes from evolving through issues that arise in relationships, leading to a deeper sense of fulfillment in love. Find joy and meaning in your love life. The Truth About Love airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be the change. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Having with you today, Jan Krauss-Green, who's written her first book, I Call Myself Earth Girl. So Jan, just uh, tell our listeners how they can connect with you and indeed get the book. Well, if they're on Facebook, I have a Facebook page called I Call Myself Earth Girl, and that's probably a very direct way to get in touch with me. I also have a website, which is www.icallmyselfearthgirl, all one word, all lowercase, Dot com, But I think the Facebook page seems to work better for people. And if they want to buy the book, uh, it's on Amazon.com. It's any place where you can buy an e-book. It's in all different e-book formats. It's on BarnesandNobles.com. And if you're like me and you like to support your local bookshop, you, it can be ordered. They, as a matter of fact, they probably already have the information on how to order it. They just need someone to request it. So those are all ways right. you could get it. Thank you. Now, near the end of the book, uh, Gloria, who's the, the main character, she's actually about to die. She's, she's coming to the end of her life. And she writes a new credo for herself. And, and it's often the case that people get to that point very near the end of their lives of, of writing down or reflecting upon the way they perhaps may have lived their life in, in a more connected and, and responsible way. So uh, talk about Gloria's credo so we can live it now, way before we finish with this world, this life. Well, Gloria's credo was one of the only parts of the book that I actually had written for myself quite a long time ago. It actually really taken time to, to think out about how do I want to live, and if I live this way, will it contribute to my goal, which at the time and still is to bring peace to the world. I believe we can have world peace. I know most people don't believe that, but I believe we can. And so I sat down and I thought about 
what would it take? What shift in consciousness do I need and do other people need, if I can be so bold, to bring that possibility of peace? So this has been my own personal credo for about 10 years now, and it's not really all that easy to live up to, but it's not completely hard either. Would you like me to read it? Absolutely. We share this planet with each other. None of us own it. All of us are responsible for its survival. We are all connected by our humanity. I know that every other being is no less valuable than I. I believe that love can overcome hate just as light overcomes darkness. I believe in peace. I will work for peace. I will try to consider the impact of my actions on my fellow human beings and on the earth. I will try to engage in no activity that deliberately harms another human being. I will try to learn the impact of my choices on people in other parts of the world. I will try to seek nonviolent solutions to the problems we face. I will try to always recognize and protect the beauty of the earth. I will try to live with love in my heart. That's beautiful, Jan. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's talk, uh, as we're coming up to the last few minutes of the show, let's talk about love and living with love in your heart. And, and, and love is the holy unknown and these, these important words. But what does that actually mean to you when you say live with love in my heart? What does that actually mean? What, what is that love that's within? Well, I, I have a couple of ways of thinking about that. And one is that even though I haven't always been aware of the spiritual journey that I've been on, I have, since I was a pretty young child, had something that I call a surge of joy. And it's a feeling that will come over me for no particular reason, not like, oh, something wonderful just happened, or I just fell in love with a particular person. It just comes out of nowhere. And when it comes, it's this feeling of great love for everything, Um, whether you want to call that love acceptance or appreciation, but just this connected feeling. It's usually very brief. It, It doesn't last for days. It lasts more like for minutes. And I think that living with love in your heart is having that openness to your connection to all life and the life that is beyond us that we can't see, the source, the spirit, the life that's on earth, and even for me, the earth itself. It it means expecting, not expecting, looking for on a very concrete level, seeing the good in other people, trying to see beyond the things that bother you about a person. When I was a high school teacher, uh, my very first year teaching, I was young, I was 22, and I recognized that I didn't like some of the kids in my class, and I thought, well, I can't be a teacher and not like people, so I have to get beyond personality and go towards potential and just that everyone has something beautiful that can be loved in them, even if I don't see it. And when I began to love all of my students, amazing things started to happen in my classroom. So it's not romantic love. It's an openness to the being of the other person, to the the essence of the other person. And I think that's why uh, the actual uh, 
central feature of the of the book, the girl with the golden eyes, is is when you look deeply into the eyes of someone else, then you do actually touch their soul and their spirit, and you go beyond the external appearance, and and that's when you can make that deeper connection. Right, and I think maybe because we talked about this earlier, not not on air. There's a couple of lines in the Beatles song that George Harrison wrote that I would love to share with people. Old Please song, do, yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I think it just uh, really, um, what do I want to say? I don't want to hear it here. That just sort of exemplifies what we're talking about. Of course, I might not be able to see it now because I managed to pull something up on my screen somehow. I didn't mean to do, but it, it talks about... We were talking about the the space between us all, and um, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, we were talking about the space between us all, and the people who hide themselves behind a wall of illusion never glimpse the truth, and it's far too late when they pass away. We were talking about the love we all could share when we find it. We try our best to hold it there with our love. With our love, we could save the world we only knew. And then it goes on to say that um, try to realize it's all within yourself. No one else can make you change. And to see that you're really only very small and life flows on within you and without you. And to me, that whole idea that life flows on within you and without you and that really we have an illusion of the space between us. I think for me, what we call source or spirit is sort of the thing that fills up that space and connects us. But we don't always know that there's something filling that space that connects us. We think it's something that separates us. So, Jan, that's actually a beautiful place for us to finish and leave our listeners thinking about that within you and without you and that old song by the Beatles. Thank you so much for sharing today. I really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing and the actual path that you're demonstrating to all of us, whether it's through writing a book or other means, this unfolding nature of ourselves, becoming aware of ourselves and our connection to spirit. It's a wonderful journey you're on. So thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you. And um, I feel that you are now part of my journey. So thank you. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show. My guest next week is Gary Evans, and Gary is currently in Ireland uh, researching some ancient sites. He is an expert on making uh, the key sound tones in the standing stone circles and pyramids, and when he comes back, he'll be talking to us next week about his experiences there, as well as practical ways to raise our consciousness uh, through different processes, including grounding. So have a wonderful week, and I'll be back next week. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 